Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Movement as Medicine podcast, episode number six. I'm your host, Kevin Carr, and this is a very special episode. This is our first time having guests. As some of you know, this past week was the 2022 MBSC Winter Seminar hosted at Mike Boyle Strength and Conditioning in Woburn, Massachusetts. And it was a great opportunity to catch up with a lot of old friends, people I haven't seen, some of which in almost two years because of COVID. And so I used this opportunity to sit down with two of my closest friends, um, people who I met through the industry who have now become close personal friends of mine. And that is Drew Massey from Game Time Sports and Training down in Columbia, Tennessee, just outside of Nashville, and Carlos Felix uh, in Atlanta, Georgia, by way of Rio de Janeiro, who is our partner in CFSC and also a strength and conditioning coach and personal trainer in the Atlanta area. So we sat down, we talked all about a bunch of different things in fitness from developing a career, building a business, marketing and advertising, and why that's important to the fitness professional, even if it's something you're not strong at and not confident in that, to leadership, to programming. We really covered a huge, uh, wide array of material. Both of these guys have a ton of experience and have some really interesting stories um, about their life, about their career, and how they've gotten to where they are now. And so this was a lot of fun to record. You're going to be able to tell that by listening and watching to it. Uh, but there's a lot of really great stuff in there. So stick it out. It's about an hour long, and I really think you're going to love it. Thanks for listening. All right. Hello, everybody. My, my name is Kevin Carr, the host of the Movement is Medicine podcast. Welcome to episode number six. I can't believe we already have six episodes. And on the sixth episode, I finally have some guests. We got rid of Brendan, at least for one episode. <laughs> Our lovely co-host Brendan's not here, but I am joined by my two great friends, Drew Massey, That's straight right. out of Nashville. Straight out of Nashville. And my good friend, Carlos Leandro Felix. Felix. I don't yes. know which name it is, but you pick one. So Pick one, doesn't matter. From Brazil, by way of Atlanta. So um, we figured in this episode, I got two very successful people from the fitness industry, Drew running uh, Game Time Performance down in Columbia, Tennessee. And my friend Felix from Brazil, Rio de Janeiro, um, also our partner uh, for Certified Functional Strength Coach, yeah. and um, does a lot of training down in the Atlanta area. So I figured, why not bring him on? We're on the eve of the winter seminar uh, tomorrow yeah. here at MBSC, and I figured we'd sit down, have a couple drinks, and have a little conversation about fitness. How's that sound to you guys? Sounds awesome. Sounds yeah. perfect. So uh, Felix, you just you just got here like an hour ago. I just got here and it was crazy with a lot of snow. Yeah, so you're not used to the uh the snow. I had the Spanish boys. We had our our buddies Raul and Jordy from Spain. They really said they wanted an authentic Boston experience. <laughs> they got it. So they came up and they helped me shovel all the snow along with Drew. Yeah, so yeah I mean, it's good for me. It's good for them. They got to have yeah, a real too it was like very quick Oh, it's we not, banged it out yeah. in like 40 minutes. Yeah, it was yeah. Not. I, I worked the snowblower. I had three men on the shovels and flew right through it. How did they feel after? I oh, they, yeah. Like Raul was like, man, my heart rate is up like really, really high. I mean, and this I is if you look at the spike of heart attacks in the Northeast in during, at, during a snowstorm, there's a significant amount more of heart attacks during this time of year because you got a lot of people who do nothing all year, yeah. aren't really in shape, and they have to go out and, I mean, there's a, 10 inches of snow out there you got a shovel so usually that's where you to see 
back injuries. Yeah, well, and I say to you, heart attack. Like, like, hey, how many people do you see after like something like this that have like thrown their back out or like, oh my gosh, like I'm super sore or whatever it is. Yeah, and the uh, the big commentary I often get from clients is like after they've been training with us for a while, then the snow comes, they say, this is like the first year I didn't hurt my back shoveling, right? And that's like a really good thing for you to hear, right? So, I mean, but that's usually what most people, that's the most, most strenuous thing a lot of people do all year round, right, is, is moving their snow. And it sounds like you guys are very different from Brazil because we prepare ourselves for summer. And here in Boston, you have to prepare yourself for the winter. Yeah, yeah. No beach bots here. Just uh, shoveling for mornings. That's really, that's really it. We so, don't prepare for anything in the south yeah. at all in yeah. Tennessee. Pour <laughs> into the snow here. Right? I don't know why we have a winter seminar every year. It seems like we have a snowstorm the day before every single year. We probably have a summer seminar, but uh, I'll open another one of these. Um, well, I wanted to kind of chat with both of you kind of about both of your backgrounds, where you're from, and then really kind of some of your experiences in fitness. So, Drew, I don't know if you want to kind of give an introduction about where you're from and what you do on a daily yeah, basis. Absolutely. So I am, like you said, Drew Massey, and I run Game Time Sports and Training in Columbia, Tennessee. So we're a little bit unique in that we're not um, – in a large city, we're about 65 miles south of Nashville, and so Nashville is obviously the biggest city. And uh, in the southeast where I'm from, if you're 65 miles south of the biggest city, like we're in a very rural area. So um, demographically, is a little bit different than most, but uh, I've been running that since 2013, I think was the first time that we trained. So in June of this year, it'll be about nine years. So we run everything from adults, very similar, obviously highly influenced by Mike and uh, the systems and things like that that are ran there. And we run adults, we run middle school athletes, high school athletes. And when we're lucky enough, we get some, some pro guys in when they're in their off season stuff. So nice. Yeah, we've done that for, so yeah, we're getting ready for nine years, which is crazy. Cause that's like a lifetime in the fitness business as yeah. most businesses really only make it three to five, I think Yeah, at the most. So if you're cruising at nine, doing pretty well, been very lucky for sure. And kind of in your experience running the business, how have you seen your things, the way you look at the business change, the way your role in the business change as like you you started there, right? Because you were like a very active strength coach and personal trainer mm -hmm. going into it. Yep. And now I would assume kind of as time has gone by, your role has changed or your view of the business has probably changed in that, that time. Well, both actually. My yep. role definitely has changed. And I've always been there from the beginning and was always kind of the director of training, but I oversee the whole facility now, which is it uh, it takes your view from you know this big to this big, especially if you're thinking about growth. But um, I still coach because I feel like I need to do that a couple hours a week just to stay grounded in what I love keeps, to do. Keeps you in it. It keeps your keeps your it keeps your sword sharp, as they say. Mm -hmm. um, but definitely um, the way that I view the business has changed in looking at overall um, making sure that. A, our employees are happy and that we are able to give them uh, the hours and things that they want to keep them doing what they, they enjoy doing. But B, obviously being more aware of financials and, and things of that nature and budgets and 
So that in in and of itself, that that role definitely has changed. Have you found you've had to like continue to kind of develop your skill set, right? Like I know I've with CFSC and with Movement as Medicine, and now more so in MBSC, had to develop my ability to not just manage people, but like you said, the understanding the financial piece, understanding the marketing piece, understanding the advertising piece. Some of the things that you've helped us with with CFSC to be able to have a bigger reach, right? Because that's all stuff that like, when you're just a trainer, you just go to work and coach. Yep. And you're like, I'm the best at writing programs, I'm the best at coaching. But at some point to continue to grow your business, you need to get really good at a bunch of other stuff that is yeah. probably not nearly as fun. There are other skills that you didn't think that you needed to have, or at least I didn't think I needed to have when I got into this business um, as a coach and as a personal trainer. And then as the business has grown, you have to be adaptable and you have to enhance your skill set to manage a lot of those kinds of things. So um, I'm still learning as, as we go. Like you said, the marketing piece is one aspect. The customer service piece is one aspect. The systems piece is one aspect. So there's a lot of different things that you have to develop that are way outside of just keeping up with your training, you know, mm -hmm. coaching cues and things that I coaching and training styles, but there are a lot of other things that you have to. And Felix, you're really particularly skilled and adept at the marketing. It's something I've seen you grow at over the last couple of years. Like something I know you've really put a lot of time and energy into. And so what kind of got you to really dive headfirst into it? Because you're, you're way further ahead than probably Drew or I understanding how to advertise and market events and to get people's attention because you've done an amazing job we have 250 people signed up for the seminar this weekend um and that was our goal we kind of set it pretty lofty and you knocked out of the park so for you what opened your eyes to that and like how has that been for you so first of all it's a pleasure to be here with you guys <laughs> it's uh, my first time experience with uh, some uh, podcasts i'm very excited here that lets me open the second yeah. <laughs> a few more energizer but let me introduce myself first i'm uh, carlos felix from brazil as you guys know but a lot of people doesn't know about me um i'm uh Bachelor degree education in physical education teacher in Brazil to be a personal trainer or a strength and conditioning coach. You have to go to the college, you have to get some bachelor degree. It's like exercise science or kinesiology here. And uh, I got my degree in 2001, so don't do the math. So in 2011, <laughs> I got US, and my first city was Boston. Oh, funny. Huh? When I landed, was in Boston. And I have been working in Atlanta with uh, private clients in soccer. 2014, I got my first visit at MBSC for CFSC Level 1. And was like uh, the real Disney World for us, the strength and conditioning <laughs> coach. This is the yeah, place. I remember if my If you yeah, are watching us and you don't know about MBSC, you've never been here, you have to be here. You have to feel this experience. You have to feel the environment and uh, I had the pleasure and opportunity to represent you guys in Brazil. So you are done, you are doing the CFSC Brazil since 2017. Kevin was there first time with Brandon and, uh, and uh, Marco Sanchez and could be another opportunity to tell more deep 
about this. Oh, we can. We'll dive into that later. Yeah, yeah. it'd be funny, but it's another episode. <laughs> There's uh, too many stuff, too many stuff over there. But as soon I got the chance to see how we run a business, as you mentioned here, Drew, you, in my opinion, the strength and conditioning coach that today just think about um, performance and uh, how you design a program, you are years behind of the reality. You have to learn how you do marketing. You have to learn how you manage your people, as you said. You have to learn how you manage your team because on these days, you have to go far away, not just the stuff that you learn from the college or from the university or whatever is, is your uh, background, but you have to learn more. So marketing is the investment that I have been doing more and more and more in the last three or four years. As soon I got new information, I feel more um, excited to get more and more and more. And now we know that if you don't run on the right way, using the AI and the strategies to use uh, Facebook Pixel and Google Ads and all this stuff and run and know how to run your social media, you are not taking advantage on the situation. And it's a great opportunity for us to have this opportunity to put these ideas now in some stuff that is really powerful, like MBSC, CFSE, they are higher on education around the world. And now we are just getting back together to the right way to use marketing on this. Yeah, and I think that a lot of strength coaches and personal trainers think of advertising, marketing, social media as like gimmicky or as like, hey, like you're just trying to make a buck. But the reality is like, yes, the person in your who's going to come to your gym and train they might not find you through social media. In fact, they'll probably find you through word of mouth. But if you're trying to build an online business, if you're trying to sell a course, which a lot of people in fitness are now, especially I think more than ever after the pandemic shut their oh, gyms wow. down, I think a lot of people thought, realized like, oh shit, I'm vulnerable. I didn't have any other income. My gym was closed outside of my control for eight months, out of the year, however it is. If you didn't have an income stream outside of that, you were screwed. Right. And so in order to reach people outside of your immediate community, the people who maybe aren't going to train at your brick and mortar, you have to have the skills to reach them. And I think there's this thing in a lot of trainers heads where they're like, oh, I don't want to invest my time and energy in that. Or they think it's kitschy or gimmicky or dirty. But I like go back to the Daniel Pink book to sell as human. Sounds right. Sweet. And he yeah. says, like, everybody's selling. It's not a dirty word. If you think you have a great product or a great service, you should be trying to sell. Because you're 100%. giving them something great. It's all as long as you have the the buyer's best interest in mind as opposed to only your best your interest in mind. That's very well said. Yeah. Right. I think our industry, we don't have these habits to sell, sell, sell. But we are selling all the time. The reality Even is... Even when you don't realize that you're selling. I mean, you have conversations in grocery stores or, or whatever, and people ask all the time. Um, whether or not they know you, if they know what you do. And the second that they ask you what you do, you don't know it, but you're selling at that point. All the time. You know, all the time. Um, just talking about, yeah, I work at this 
place or these are the service. Well, what do you got? What's the next question, right? What do you guys do there? Well, we train adult. You know, you're yeah. selling at that point. Exactly. And you don't even know. You are just giving uh, advice in some uh, dinner <laughs> with friends. Yeah. You are selling yourself. All the time. Yeah. yeah. Right? Yep. And if you write on that time, you use the right words, you mm -hmm. probably can have a new client. You can have sure. a new business opportunity. You never know. Right? So we have to be very accurate all the time to sell everything that we do in every second that we have the chance to do it. Yeah. I agree. I was a, that was a mind shift thing for me. Once I realized that, Hey, just because, you know, field of dreams, if you build it, they will come is, is good for a while. But uh, if people don't know that you built it, then they don't know to come. Exactly. <laughs> you have exactly. to let them know so, what you do. Yeah. And so I think that if you think you have something great, you should learn or at least hire people like Felix is way better at me than that. So we've hired Felix to, help us with graphics, help us with the uh, Facebook pixel, help us with social media campaigns and the messaging, especially on how to get people's attention to, to come. And he's been very successful. I mean, and it, it shows me in Brazil in a market where economically they're struggling, especially compared to the United States, um, where the Rei is what, six to one? Six, uh, a little bit lower, but 5.50. And we're selling a course. Yes, we discount. It's still very expensive. Like I would imagine you were saying like to sign up for CFSC, it's like one month salary for a lot of these people. Yeah. And yeah. so them still being willing to sign up, them being exciting, us finding ways to make it affordable for them, whether it's through payment plans or discounts or group rates, things like that to get them in because they're so excited to take the course. Like I'll never forget a story that that couple told us about their dog mm -hmm. and uh and the, the brownie he now you know, remember the guy they couldn't afford the course yeah and they, their dog yeah. was sick or something uh -huh. and they they had to sell things to like get the dog better and they wanted to still sign up for the course and we were like let's just get them in and we'll figure it out because the brownie guy came a few minutes later yeah. <laughs> yes <laughs> yes Yes, at the beach, and, yeah. and but the, I just realized how grateful they were yeah. to have educational resources down there from the United States or just from fitness in general. Because I, I you can probably speak to this better uh, to everybody here about the culture of education and fitness in Brazil is very different, and you're trying to bring it along to some of the more contemporary approaches that we see in fitness where we are, right? Yeah, so first of all, it's a very big pleasure to have the opportunity to represent you guys in brazil and take this education whole the, this whole process to brazil and uh, we are maybe a little bit better now but on the beginning let's say let's go back to 2016 we were a few years behind the whole process so we are a culture that use more the old school like a regular machines lifting weights the traditional way to get pumped to get more muscles especially because we are in brazil so mm -hmm. we are exposure all the time right. the yeah. coldest days we use some t-shirts like this but <laughs> like this fabric here not so heavy stuff but we are a culture that use more the regular traditional old school way like mm -hmm. uh, lifting weights heavy going to the machine and when you had the opportunity to show for some people how we think different now 
how you train different that we don't use modern machines. This is a waste of time for us. People start to say, oh, this is crazy, especially after the opportunity to watch Mike Boyle at Functional Strength Coach 5.0, mm -hmm. the DVD. He was in Ireland. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yes. Remember this? Classic, yeah. He was on the staff, stage, like yeah. stage, yeah. yeah. And when he said on the first time, stop to do crunch and setups, this is a waste of time. I said, no way. <laughs> and I have two hernias, okay? Yeah. <laughs> I play basketball professional, so uh, as you know, long people with long spine, they have more chance to um, develop a hernia, right? You're, you're because, always like this. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So I had two, and I was always doing the traditional way to prepare your because, because strengthening your abs was yes, good. Like, exactly. Do the crunch. Yeah. So when I heard Mike saying, stop to do crunch instead of start to do more these untie exercises, I said, no way, but I have to try, mm -hmm. right? And sure. I try on myself, I apply on myself, and I stopped to feel some pains. And I said, okay, let's try on my clients. And I start to apply on my clients. And all my clients that was having some situations that they, oh, this is bothering me, do you know, it's been, they stopped to complain. I said, hmm, something is happening here. <laughs> and then I started to realize, yeah, it's different. And we had the chance to show this to Brazilians and another um, people are applying for the course. So since 2017 now, almost, maybe I'm not, I don't remember the name, the numbers now, but close to 600 people in Brazil have been um impact from the cfsc course plus thousand people's impact from the two books from boyle that was translated in portuguese and people have been reading the book and understand the process so it's completely different and especially for brazil you don't need to go to the gym anymore you can have a park or oh, yeah. outside area if you have some dumbbells kettlebells and you it's unbelievable, actually, the amount of places to work out when you're in Brazil. Like, if you go, you'll go at some point with us. Okay? If you go down the beach, oh, there's, go, there's sure. what they call kiosks, right? Okay. And it's actually unbelievable. Every probably 50 to 100 yards, there's a kiosk. It's, like, on the beach, the, the sidewalk above the beach. Mm -hmm. And there, it's a little bar. So they have a full bar. They have a little restaurant. So they cook up like short order food for you. Like we went, we got fish. Okay. They like literally pulled that shit right out of the water, <laughs> yeah. fried it like, like right there. Um, and, but also attached to that at like all the bus stations right next to the kiosk, mm -hmm. there's a gym. So there's monkey bars, pull-up bars, dip bars, benches. Oh, wow. Okay. And so like you could – I did this when I was in Hasife. Yeah. You can use it. I went out there in the morning and I went. I did – Bunch of push-ups, bunch of dips, bunch of pull-ups, bunch of squats, single leg squats. Then I went and I had my uh, caipirinha and yeah. what about my leg? And you go swimming. But it's like people, it's a very active culture. It's, yeah. I think yeah. probably yeah. they said what the second biggest fitness market in the world after the yeah. United States. Wow. And so they value exercise. They yeah. very much value how they look. That's no joke. You go to the beach, you realize that. <laughs> um, they value what they look like. And so then it's about getting them to understand the entire training process because there's there's an opportunity there's a ton of gyms i mean how many there's body tech everywhere there's gyms all over the place yeah we are the second fitness industry in the world we are wow. just behind the us but 
if you see the number of people that goes to the gene or go to the gene is very little percentage comparing with US. I don't remember the numbers now, but it's something like a 40% or 30% of the people in the US go to the gene. In Brazil, 5%. It's something very really? or very different, big difference between the both countries. But we still having the opportunity to use outside or outdoor facilities or genes that you just see the place that was built mm. and we see some personal trainers that create their own space on this area and you we walk more 10 minutes to see another place with another personal trainers exploring and using this area so like just because i'm a stupid redneck from tennessee like is there like are they uh so when those areas are they public like public yeah, parks public anybody area. can use yeah. them the city so the city area. oh so the yeah. city does that so yeah. this is something that's ingrained into your culture yet a smaller percentage use these basically what we would consider these you know public services yeah. mm -hmm. but a smaller percentage use it even though it's right there for them. i've never yeah. seen more public access gyms to to, to yeah get to and it's a, it's a less percentage of people using the gym also going to some gyms Somewhere like LA else, fitness yeah. or or lifetime fitness we see less people going to the gym but i just trying to show you that we have a market market is there huge that sure. is not being explored yet yeah. so and so i wonder what the uh like the again looking at businesses through different eyes i guess a little bit as you grow into this but you know what is the reason for like if i've got access to something like that from a public service standpoint or from a, the city builds it i guess from public access uh what prevent because one of the biggest things in fitness, right, is bar like what's the barrier to entry? Yeah. Like, why do people not go? So it's uh, very low. It's there. a very low barrier to entry because it's not. I mean, you know, and it's probably again you take advantage of the fact that, like, yes, you can get. Like, if you gave me a free, I don't know, um, if you gave me a free Mack truck, I couldn't drive it because I don't know how. Mm -hmm. So, like, you've taken advantage of the fact of, like, even though we have all this free access, uh, you, somebody has to be the one that educates people on how to do it so that more people can take advantage of it. Yeah, it's a very good question because I think the biggest barrier in Brazil, the biggest challenge for people to be more active or go to the gym is because sometimes you have to pay for some uh, place to go or you have to invest for someone to train you. So, so that you, you're investing into like a personal trainer or somebody that has But even still, like you said, those public parks, like if you could get people to one, like, I think a lot of people don't exercise because they're scared or they don't feel confident, right? Like it takes a lot to go, even for me, someone who is, I think I know what I'm doing, to go to that park in Recife, and not even a park, it's like on the sidewalk, but there's one about every 50 to 100 yards on the sidewalk, um, all the way down. For me to go there, there's a bunch of people mm -hmm. walking around the streets, yeah. drinking, enjoying themselves, going to the beach. And so to work out even in a place that's public with people watching, I think for a lot of people is intimidating. For me, I'm like, I don't really care. But 
I think I there's a lot of people that be like, I'm not doing I'm squats do and push-ups right, in, right in front of people. I don't feel confident trying that. Yeah. And so I think usually the barrier even it shows that it's not always an economic thing. Sometimes it's an economic thing, like you cite, like if you want to go to an actual gym. But if there's free resources there and people don't use them, it's usually because they don't feel ready to do it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, and they, they don't feel confident doing it, even though they might really – there's a ton of people who probably want to look better, feel oh, better. I, want, I wish I could do that, but I don't know but where to they're start. they're not going to just walk on the side. They think people are going to make fun of them. They think people are going to stare at them. But, I mean, when I was down there, I saw some, like, old guy – Freaking doing squats and push-ups, no shirt on, hairy as all hell, like <laughs> doing his thing. He didn't care. And that's really – if you get people to feel confident and make it accessible, like, hey, you don't need weights. You don't need to be perfect when you do the exercises. You don't need to like have a perfect program just every day. Check the box. Mm-hmm. Go do some push-ups. Go do some like – there was a pull, assisted pull-up thing. Like you put your feet on the bar, like, oh, with, cool. like a monkey bar with the thing out. Like you yeah. can do all that stuff there, do squats. So it's it scalable to meet you. It would at almost level be good to be like, "Hey, we're going to hold free workouts," and they're like, "We've we've done workouts down on the beach there. We did workouts down in those areas where people we brought weights to the beach and we did a workout uh, in Rio on the beach. That was a pretty cool experience. Mm-hmm. And we had a barbecue after, and there were a bunch of regular people there working out with us. We were doing like push-ups, we were doing squats, we were doing swings. Like we brought some weights down the beach, um, but nice. being able to make it accessible and so the cost is low and make people feel confident to be able to go out and do those things i think is important because they have facilities mm-hmm. and that's most places the barriers they just don't have somewhere to they go and they can't afford to go somewhere but if you give them an option and if you make them feel confident you'll probably get them out there training right yeah for sure and i think that's what a lot of people's barrier to entry is is if it's not financial and it's not access then the next barrier to entry is education. Like I don't know what Mm -hmm. to do or fear of, you know, my experience with mountain biking was just like you talked about. I got picked up mountain biking after years of it. And then I went to the trails and the community was great. Like everybody, like, oh, you always think they're not going to accept you. Yeah, absolutely. And people would ask all the time, like, Hey, anytime you want to ride, like, give me a big, like, let's exchange. Like, oh, you're actually like, you don't think I'm like a bum or something? Yeah, like, yeah, right. And like, and forever, I wouldn't, I wouldn't text them back. So I was like, oh, like they'll just, they'll kill me. I don't want to like show how bad I am because of it's my the fitness ego. mindset yeah, that happens yeah, all the time. Like yeah, have, you know. And so that's, I think that's the third kind of barrier to entry is that I don't know what I'm doing, or I feel like I'm gonna be rejected by the people that know what they're doing, and you know, that's where. The, where we come in and that's that like imposter syndrome thing that happens to anybody right yeah. and so i remember when i first started doing powerlifting, right yeah like that's i thought incredible. everyone was gonna be fucking these monsters these tough guys and stuff and like some people are like that but the vast majority when i ever went 90 percent of them when i went great to meet people right you go to meet you see a 12 year old girl lifting yeah you see a 80 year old guy lifting you see a bunch of middle-aged people and everyone's like let's go it doesn't matter if they have like Hundred pounds on the yeah, board. yeah. Right? And they'd be like, they, "Great they list." Still and then get I, excited. I remember being like, "Oh my god!" Like everyone here, like really wants everyone to do well. Really and well. You always assume people want you to not do well, and then you realize, like, no, these people want more people in their community, yeah. and that that's how it is at gyms. I think if you're running a good gym, most people we want more people to come. Yeah. Beginners, people who are learning, people who aren't confident, because we can make you that. We can help make you feel that, sure, that absolutely. way. Sure, um, absolutely. If you adapt to it, and so that's a really good point. And so I think. Sometimes it takes a little bit on the consumer to be like, I'm going to take the leap. 
and try it because like you when you went to the bike park you're like oh god like this is great a whole community of people yeah who i can go and do this with. with and then that is going to also make you more consistent right it's like what i tell people who are new to the gym yeah whenever i have people especially who come through a rehab route through movement as medicine and they always say like i think i should really do one-on-one and i'll be like listen i'll take you one-on-one for a handful of sessions to get you started mm-hmm. but i want you in a group mm-hmm. because you are going to be more consistent you're going to work harder. You're going to make social connections. And for people dealing with pain, especially, I want them in a group because the social is a big part of their pain experience. Like they're taking the pain is a very isolating thing. When you have yeah, that pain, good point. Pain, yeah. you like, you feel isolated. I'm the only one that feels this way. I can't do these things. I'm not going to do my activities that I want. And I'm always like, you need to join a group because all of a sudden you're going to feel like you belong. You're going to feel like you're part of a community. There are going to be people that support you. And so the second you start doing that, everything gets better. When you coddle them in a one-on-one situation, it feel like I'm babysitting the person all the time and they're dependent on uh, me. Eventually it turns into that, right? Like you're paying me to, to count to yeah. 10 or 12 yeah. or whatever the scheme is. And, and they think they're like, oh, no, I need this. I, it's great. Some people want one-on-one. It's fine. But if it starts to become a dependency thing, that's when I really want to take them and move them in a group because – it's really better for them and it's less expensive. Right. Yeah. It's even with high school kids. I have a lot of parents who always they think like my kid one. needs one-on-one. My kid, I really want my kid to do one-on-one. They're going to be better. You know, they have ADD, they get distracted, they screw around. And I'm like, your kid is screws around more in one-on-one because no matter, I could be a hard ass, but they get comfortable with you as a yeah. coach. And I'm not like going to be a total dick and hard ass <laughs> them all the time. So like, I, I'm not here to make them want exercise. I'm not going to be like, listen, you, Better get on the line and run. Like, no, if you don't want to be here, leave. Yeah. Right. And so when you have kids in one on one, it gives them a little more leeway. It's their hour. Whereas if they're in a group, they're not the center of attention. Anymore. Right. Like they have to, and they have to kind of like step up. Let's go. In yeah. the group, move. Let's go. And then all of a sudden, they're better. And this is the power of the community. Right? Yeah. And this is a, some kind of a strategies that people that run a business or people that are thinking to open a business, sometimes they don't know how powerful. This can be because, as you mentioned, we can start with one-one, but I so you understand more the person you encourage them to go to the group, because on the group they will be more comfortable to sometimes share some their own experience with someone that are their neighbors or live at the same neighborhood area. They can um, socialize after the gym too. So yeah. the power of the community it's is huge. It's crazy and. The majority of the people doesn't know or don't know how really explore this piece of the gym. Of the, so- right? the social yeah. aspect. Yeah. And if you think about CFSC, what is the CFSC? The beauty of CFSC, in my opinion, is that you can create the group, put people over there, as we know. And people, is, I know you guys. Right? No, no, but I think, I'm thinking about to work out. People can go yeah. there, work out together, the same group, and respecting that difference respecting that someone is not good on the hips so do more something that is related to the need done that yeah. so you can manage it you know how to manage this situation and create the group so the cfsc is getting better and better around the world because you know now how to create a group with different people different at issues different levels different yeah. levels at the I same agree. time working hard and getting the benefits. It's the number one question I ask, or I get asked, is how do you 
fit somebody that is not where everybody else is. And, and it, you know, when people come to us, new people come to us, like, oh my gosh, like how, like, I can't do that yet. And you look at them and you're like, oh, well, that's, that's perfectly, well, I don't want you to do that yet. I want, we're going to do this. Like, don't worry about that part of it now. But they're still in that social community. They're still, you know, bonding with other hu humans that are like-minded like themselves. And they end up creating great, you know, great relationships and great friendships. And they hang out after workout. They hang out outside of the gym. We have members that go visit each other at their lake houses in the summertime. I mean, like, like you said, it's a big missing piece, I think. And some people don't know that that is a huge piece of, of, of the business. Yeah. If you can create that social culture and, and things of that nature. Yeah. And some people don't think about to skip a day because they are part of a community. Now they are part of a group. Yeah, they are not showing so excited. Someone from the group will call, let's call Linda now. Hey, Linda, you missed the workout last night. What's going on? So the group also reinforce the other people to do not miss this session yeah. do oh, not exactly skip right. the session so stay there let's do this together mm -hmm. so it's a lot of benefits sure yeah, yeah. so That's... like here now we are enjoying the beer yeah right? <laughs> <laughs> well felix something i may if you feel like sharing and i mean you've obviously had a very different life than drew and i growing up in brazil and like i don't know if you want to share like your story is very interesting to me, kind of like I think a lot of people don't understand the things that you go through or went through to get to where you are now because you have a diff very different life than you probably started with oh, yeah. growing up in, yeah. <laughs> in, in Brazil and like the favela. So it'd just be interesting if you could kind of share your story a little bit because it's like it, whenever I go there, I love Rio, I love Sao Paulo, I love Recife. Whenever I've gone, I've had a great time. But it's a startling experience also. Yeah, for someone who comes from like I grew up in middle class suburban Massachusetts, mm -hmm. and then you go there and you're like, oh, there's levels to this, and like, so you really appreciate what you have, um, and you appreciate your your career, you appreciate all the things you go to, but then when I talk to you and see where you have, like, you had to really kind of work your way up to ascend. So I mean, I think it's interesting for you to kind of share your story and give some people some perspective on. Where you're from? Yeah, yeah, sure. I can share my story, no problem at all. Drew, sometimes we talk, but you don't know some stuff that I'm gonna share here. <laughs> so hold your heart over there, okay? So I'm from Brazil, as we mentioned, I mentioned here in the beginning. But I'm from Brazil in an area in Rio de Janeiro that is an area very complicated with situation because a lot of favelas around, okay? And uh, in Rio de Janeiro, sometimes if you don't know the right place to go, mm. you maybe cannot go back because you, some situation happens and you never had the chance to go back. So I got you my... Yeah, we, yeah, yeah, because <laughs> you can go to the wrong area with some gangs and because you take the wrong street, sure. people shoot your car without asking you anything. So this is the rules dangerous situations in Rio de Janeiro. It's not everything like this. Of course, these guys have been visiting Rio on the last few years and nothing about problems we had. But if you are going to the wrong place, sure, you can uh, deal with 
problem. So, um, but for us that we are from Rio, so no problem at all. I play basketball in uh, high school. I play basketball in college, and I play professional. So. I have been growing my career more about sports, and then I had the opportunity to uh, meet these guys and show them the the Brazil. And uh, from a person that came from Rio, and uh, now family of how many? From the family with oh, I'm an adopted kid, so oh. uh, I came in a home with another four biological kids and two other adopted kids okay. i was the third one okay. but everything seven. was seven seven kids. yeah <laughs> plus if you think about my biological daddy because i know my biological daddy is another one kid so my biological mom another four kids so make the math a lot of kids around but <laughs> we don't have the relationship between each other as a big family because our different families mm -hmm. okay but everything was on the table as a clear situation. All the truth was there. So no problems. I have relationship, good relationship with my biological dad, my biological mom, and my family, of course. But uh, we always had the chance to see some opportunities. If you see something, go there and get it. So... I've been working hard on my uh, college time. I was uh, having five, sometimes seven different gyms at the same week to get a few classes. Do you know, I will go back on the history here, okay? Do you remember Body Pump? Body yeah, pump. body pump. Less mills. Mills. Body pump. Guys. Less mills. They had the weight. Were you body pump? Yeah. No, yeah. 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 the weight on the side. Yeah. They had the steps. No, no. So like body everybody pump. gets so right. body pump, body combat, and RPM. Okay, that was the yeah. spinning. Yeah, right. Yeah. That was so I spinning. had all this situation. So I didn't have a car. I didn't have a car on that time, but I had the public transportation in brazil is funny public transportation is so bad that some people if you have a van that fit 14 like a big mercedes van van yeah, that yeah. fifth sprinter that fifth fifth feet that fit 15 people <laughs> yeah you can drive around and charge people to get a ride from point a to point b so oh, wow, this yeah. is a big They were business. Ubering before they Uber. Were Ubering before they were Ubering before Uber. Uber. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I got these sprinters moving from five, six, seven different locations to teach sometimes body pump class, sometimes body combat. I sometimes want to to do a body, body pump class, class. <laughs> and I want to take it. So are you, are you, I'm going deeper now. All right, guys, we're going to do so, the squat track now. Yeah, yeah, I so. was working. Some people in Brazil doesn't know, don't know this story, but I go deeper now to make this more funny. <laughs> uh, I was working a luxury, luxury gym in Brazil that call it Ibeas, okay? okay, in a rich area in Brazil. And the owner of the gym, he was also a triathlete, 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 yes. triathlete guy. 
And you know that triathlete guys, they shave themselves, right? right. Yeah. yeah, to be so faster look, in the look water. how I am, okay? <laughs> this guy, my boss, came to me and said, you know what? You should shave yourself and put this, <laughs> you know, this tiny, uh, tight, yeah, yeah, like the tight, the tights, one the piece, leotard. this one piece. Like a singlet. Like <laughs> a singlet. Yeah. Like, a, like a powerlifting singlet. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, okay, let's do it. <laughs> you, you have a picture of this somewhere? I have it somewhere. Yeah, yeah. We might need to use that. So next day, I was in my bathroom shaving myself, and my sister, "What's going on? Oh, is everything good? What are you doing? <laughs> oh, I'm just shaving myself because my boss said that could be good for me to go to the spinning class wearing this shit and shaving myself. So I did it. As a young guy with a boy saying you should do, I got it. Hey, I, you I, say I jump. I say how high, okay. right? Like, so I did. I, my spinning <laughs> class was 8.30 p.m., so I should make sure that I have a lot of people over there. So I had these ears and ears and bought different colors and different models. So That is phenomenal. For ears. Wow. So I cannot wait. After these years, I start to see personal training could be good. So I start to develop personal trainer. And was on the time that I said, I will not work for any more gym. Sure. I will fire myself for this place and I pick one place and I work as a personal trainer with one client after another client. This was 2000, 2001. And a lot of friends of mine said, you are crazy. You are missing the opportunity to work for this gym. I said, I'm making more money here. And one spinning class now one personal trainer class yeah pay like a three or four body pump body combat sessions that i have i have been running there so why i still doing that so i start to work in the personal training then i start to hear about great cook mike boy stuart mcgill and then the the guy that i was working with he said so uh these guys are creating the uh, functional training methodology. They are copying yeah. some people from US. You should go there and apply for this course. And they few ma- months later, they said we are going to Providence. We are going to perform better. Oh, perform better. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. said, oh, there we go. Oh my gosh, gosh. I have to go. So this was 2016. No, sorry, 2010. Oh, wow. So, That's 2011, funny. we had the trip. So, the, the rest, I just mentioned here in the beginning. So yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. That's great. Well, but it's interesting. So, like, look at – think about what you went through, right? Like, you're like, I have to catch this van to get to this gym, then go train, then get to this gym and then train. And a lot of people, they don't realize, like, I'm at, at, at the risk of sounding like the old guy who says, like, I had to walk both ways in the That's snow, true. uphill, yeah. in the cold, um, like – you have to go through a phase in your career, yeah. no matter where you start. That's where you get good. Yeah, whether it's like, hey, I might have been just at MBSC, but I was turning 14 sessions a day. Yeah. yeah. You were jumping on a freaking someone's van who might kidnap you. So you, <laughs> like you had to go to the next gym in your little like singlet to go teach your body pump class, right? But you have to go through those phases in your career. I tell all our staff this. You're going to have to grind at the beginning. That's yeah. how you get good. That's how you understand how to coach. That's how you develop the stamina to be successful. Now, you shouldn't 
do this forever. It's not sustainable. Exactly. No one can have a family and build a career right. and have a home and do this. But like you talked about, you start to realize ways that you can make your do- your hours worth more, right? And so early on, you have to go through that because the only way you develop relationships. So like whenever we go to Brazil, you're like, oh, I knew this guy. I worked at this apartment complex with him. Oh, I worked at this gym with this guy. That's how you developed all those relationships that you're successful now. How was the first trip to Brazil? How many people you saw me? We go down the street. The big bald head, this guy's taller, <laughs> head taller than everybody. Everybody's like, oh, Felix. Oh, Felix. How do you know that guy? Yeah, and, yeah. and you go to the gym. Right. But it's no because stuff. he took the time to build a career. And I work in different places. Yeah. Life gets city. easier. If you do that early, like Mike talks about working as a bartender, just go all around. Yeah. Mike, working <laughs> as a bartender during the day, going to BU, going to the Bruins, doing all those things. He said, I remember he'd be at work as a bartender, and then on his and way, the, he'd like, have to change the car on yeah. the expressway. Mm-hmm. And then go coach. And, like, you have to kind of go through that phase. And so what I tell my young coaches, like, if you tell me when you're, like, 23, 24, like, I'm working too much, I'm too tired, like, you're probably just not cut out for it. It doesn't make you a bad person. But the nature of our business is one that demands a lot of hours, especially in the first five, six years of your career. And then you can start to have choices and move things and develop things. But you can't – it's very hard to come out the gates and have a work-life balance or have a, a business that is like making money when you're not working, right? You have to kind of set connections and build your career and build your skills to be able to do that. Well, that's where you're building those interpersonal skills and that's where you're building that knowledge base of how to work with people or yeah. so that people will pay you money to spend time with you. Yeah. And I guarantee as, as much as we've laughed about body pump, and, and I'm going to say this, it, I worked for the YMCA right out of college. Yeah. Right? I worked for the YMCA uh, of USA. I, I loved, uh, grateful for the opportunity. Would not be in this career if I hadn't had some opportunities within the Y to do some things. And they purchased the body pump deal. And watching some of those instructors led me to say, hey, we can do better group training but those instructors were fantastic at cueing they got everybody in the room to do what they wanted what they were supposed to do they could coach technique so that's those you know those grinding years of developing those interpersonal skills your coaching skills how to how to how to be the leader of a group and if you don't go through that and you just expect like, okay, now I'm going to come out of this and I'm going to be full and I don't ever take the time to build those interpersonal skills. Like nobody's going to pay you to be around you. Exactly. Uh, exactly. You know, at all. I, I, when I started in MBSC, I had no interpersonal skills. Like I always say I'm more of an introvert and then like I need a long time, I need quiet time to like think and process stuff. And like these weekends are full of extroversion. Like we have seminars and then like the next few days I need to be like, okay, I kind of got to shut down for a little yeah. bit, right? But when I started, I didn't have any of those skills yeah. and to the point where Mike and Nicole tell the story. Like Nicole was my biggest advocate. In yeah, yeah, yeah. Rodriguez, if you guys haven't yeah. heard it. Nicole was like my biggest advocate being like, you do a great job. But Mike had no idea who I was. Mm-hmm. And he was much more in the business even then now. He was coach. I mean, he still coached every day, but he was coaching a lot then. He had no idea who I was. And he even said like, I don't even know who this kid is. He's kind of quiet. And Nicole like told me halfway through the internship, like, Hey, like you need to kind of get your voice up. You need to be louder. You need to make an impact. Cause like essentially she essentially said, like, if you're going to get a job here, this is what you need to do. Mm-hmm. 
And it was, it's a skill. Like mm-hmm. you, to be able to communicate and develop interpersonal relationships with your clients and like understand how to have great conversations, it's a skill. And so someone who's great at that, Steve Bigelow, is he's like, I know what everybody here does for a living. I know about yep. their family. No, but again, Steve Bigelow is a, a legend at that. Mm-hmm. Gabe Patton, MBSC, if that's, for many people won't know who this person, person is, Gabe is probably our longest tenure employee at MBSC. Mm-hmm. He only has like two clients a week right now. He doesn't really do much mm-hmm. coaching anymore. He still has a couple one-on-one clients. So he's mm-hmm. coached for like 15 years. Wow. But Unreal. he runs a group. Mm-hmm. When he runs a group and when he coaches, he's very affable. Communicates really well to his clients. His clients will love him. Yeah. He doesn't have a background in strength conditioning. He has an environmental science degree. Uh, he has, but he has been training in MBSC since he was like 15. He's now probably almost 40. And he, but he still, he still coaches people, but they all love him because yeah. he's just very interpersonal. But that's a skill that you develop doing yeah. this over X amount of years. And unless you get a lot of exposure to that and learn how to operate, You'll never. There's a few people who are like unicorns, right? Who just come out the gate and they're like made for it. But most people, you need to understand how to be a coach and yeah. how to communicate, how to build those. And you won't get it unless you just are thrown into thrown into the, into the, the mix. We, yeah. we have a coach right now that's kind of the same way, and he, he and he's phenomenal. His name's Devin Simlard. He coaches for us, and he's also a baseball coach at Central. And when he was coming through and he did his internship with us, we had to have the same conversation. I was like, look, like you don't have a voice like mine or like some of the other coaches that where you can project like he just doesn't yeah. like so instead of him taking that and being like oh like i'm not going to be good at this he is the best coach on the floor yeah. and when he starts to coach he walks over and like he'll he'll turn the music down and so like he, he gets can... all of his people in one area so yeah. that he doesn't have to project them yeah so he took something that was and it was this, this was not going to prevent us from hiring him or anything like that. But he just, he realized like, okay, like this is something that doesn't come natural to me. So now how do I create an environment to where this is no longer mm-hmm. like my weakest link? And yeah. he's phenomenal. He's phenomenal. Like I can't tell you how many people, like he is one of those people that he's grinding right now and he's coaching and he's doing all the things, but even only being in this thing less than like two years, he is at the point now where he can say, yes, I can take you. No, I can't take you. Like he doesn't have to take everything that's thrown out of my head. Yeah, and you have to – Because he's that good. So like my young coaches who you met, Courtney. Yeah. Jess, who was in there coaching today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. um, I've really tried to make a point in like some of the other guys, like Chad, who just started to try to fill their schedules. And they're all very personal. Like Courtney and Jess are at the point – Jess came to me the other day and said – what do you do when you have to start saying no? I said, now you have to start grouping people together. People together. Small yeah. group. They're already at that phase. They've been here for less than a year. And yeah. I go, you're way ahead of me. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing to me. You see a lot of these coaches, like they're steps ahead as far as their understanding of training. Like I didn't know anything when I started. These people are coming in and talking to me like they've been coaching for a while. Right. And then we can fast track them. We can get them up to speed quickly. And so like when they start to develop the skills to communicate, it's like, it's like exponential. Yeah, growth, absolutely. Just, right? just rock it through that. Yeah, for so, sure. And it's funny because going back a little bit what we had the conversation here before, um, I don't have doubts that everyone here on the beginning of the career, we start to work from 6 a.m. through maybe 9, 10 p.m. And after a few years, 10 years, 10, 
10, 12, 15, 20 years, on my case, 20 years after, mm-hmm. we're still working from 6 a.m. <laughs> through 9. <laughs> Those hours just look different. It's, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And the, the, the piece that you put your hands are different pieces, different areas, but we're still working. So it's a part of the career. So I don't feel safe when sometimes I hear young coach saying, oh, I have been working too much. I have been doing too much. Sorry, the language, but dude, this career, you have to do a lot all the time. Yeah. If you rest, if you reduce, you are years behind. Mm-hmm. So we have to learn about anatomy, physiology, now social media, mm-hmm. yeah. how to communicate, how to manage a team financially. You have to deal or have to manage all these situations, not just the regular situations yeah. as it was before marketing customer service like all of those things have to be you managed. now you run a facility so i don't have doubts that you put more focus in other areas that the college or your regular background didn't prepare didn't you for prepare, that right, at all so what do you have to do you have to learn that skill you have yeah. to yeah and 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 what's interesting is that we just spent all this time talking about how much time you have to put into becoming a good coach and and doing those things when you find out that you don't have a skill or that you need a skill that you don't have a background in Mm -hmm. i'm just as new at that than the the new coach coming in so i've got to put my time in there to even get up to the point to where i could be considered remotely good yeah and it's okay to learn as you're going i think a lot of people think like i can't start a business or i can't be a manager or I can't grow my business or help grow someone else grow their business to have these skills, you'll learn by doing it. Yeah. Like it's okay to make mistakes because as long as you're making some money already, start trying things. The only way you're going to learn what works is by trying it, looking at the feedback, looking at the data, and seeing how can, what works because you can read a lot of books and you can try the things they say. You just got to start doing it. The biggest thing I see a lot of fitness people when I talk about careers is, like, well, did you start? Did you start posting on social media? Did you start trying to make videos? Did you start trying to advertise the course that you want to teach? Mm-hmm. Until you start, like, you're never going to feel ready. Yeah. When I wrote a book, I didn't feel ready. When we started CFSC, I didn't feel ready. I didn't know anything about running a course. We just did it. Mm-hmm. And then we're like, okay, this is how we do this. We made a bunch of mistakes. We tried this. We tried this. And then all of a sudden you figure it out. But if you don't do and that. Continue, like, you, like the book Grit talks about that. Mm-hmm. It's about like it, the more you do something and if you have a passion for it, which means that you're willing to go through the struggles and still continue to work on it. Every time you redo it, you get better quality. This is why the CFSC is what it is now. I'm sure the first CFSC that was ever ran looks way oh, different than way what different. it looks now. Yeah. But every time you do it, like, and then now you get like compounding interest, right? Mm-hmm. Like every time I lay another layer on a good product, I get an even better, better product yeah. every time, every time. Yeah. And if you don't start early, then you're already behind. behind. Right? So, and this is something that a lot of people be afraid to do that do some mistakes. Do something wrong. It's okay. It's all right. You have been learning from that, and it's a big chance to learn more than learn from the books, than learn from the courses, because you are learning from your own mistakes in your own market, in your own area, in your own business. Sure. So it's the best way to be ready for the next steps, for the next. And that's what we do with our interns. Like when our interns start, they say, How do you get them to start coaching? I go, I just. 
make them start coaching. Make coach. yeah. uh, and like, we don't just make them, we don't throw them completely to fire, but like, Hey, first week, you're going to help me with the middle school group. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say, Hey, while I'm leading it, go coach those planks, go coach those chops and lifts, go coach those pushups. Mm-hmm. Just put a stick in your hand, put it on the back. Tell them. Yeah, that's that's you good. And, and what I want you to do the first week, just develop relationships. See if you can figure out that skill that part. Like, don't be a weirdo. <laughs> Introduce yourself first. Don't be a creep. Mm-hmm. Like, just be normal and go get comfortable because it's hard. It, it was very hard for me to begin with to be like, I'm just going to talk to this person I don't know and then tell them what to do. Um, and do that first. And then when you get a little more comfortable, I'll let you coach the warm up. Then I let you coach the med balls. Then I let you coach some uh, squats. Then maybe we can get to the hand curls. That's funny because, like, it's the same way we do the same thing. Like, okay, you're going to watch for a week. We don't have the, yeah. the same amount of time frame, but. You're going to watch for a week, but the first thing you're going to coach is foam rolling. Yeah. I'm like, just, then, let's just start that. And then we'll coach warm up, and then you'll coach power, the, and then you'll coach. One, they're getting comfortable, and the client's getting comfortable. Mm-hmm. The client's like, okay. The good thing about us, and probably about you now because you have interns for a while, is the clients know. They know that you have interns. If they've been there for a while, they're like, they're always like, here's a new group, fresh mm-hmm. meat. Yeah. But they're always very accepting of them, and they're like, they also are our best feedback as to who we should hire. Who's good? Yeah. Like they're like, hey, this kid was great. This kid, not so yeah, much. And yeah. I'm like, yeah, that's kind of what I got. Um, but they, they'll also kind of just tell us, like, they'll, they'll, they'll start to break the kids in. They're understanding of us, letting them try stuff and letting them make mistakes because they've been there for a while. And they also, they, I have clients who've been there for 15 years. They've seen interns turn into staff to people who left and got a job somewhere else to people who are still here. And like when I took over Jim, I had just gotten hired full time. Like, yeah. and he was like, he they tortured me when I started. <laughs> when I took them over as a personal training group, as the three guys that they had, and they're all veterans. One guy's an NFL veteran, an NHL veteran that was retired. Jim, yeah. all star, seventy five year old client, yeah. and then Sean, who was like in his forties at the time. And they would on purpose when I would start training them. So if we had like a tricep, say it was like goblet squat, push up, and ring up. They would on purpose after I demoed it, they would go as far apart in the gym as possible. So they would one guy would goblet squat over here, <laughs> one guy would do his push-ups over here, one guy and they, and they do just do it on purpose. They'd be like, let's because we're because they knew I'd be running around yeah, like crazy. And then work. right when I would get I'd say, Hey Kevin, I need feedback on this. They were screwing their person, they were breaking me in. Yeah. And they wanted to see like, could I be one of the boys with them? Right. Yeah. And so yeah, like the, our clients know, like, hey, we're like these are all kids who are learning. Like, be easy on them, but like break them in, make them part of the community. Yeah. And it's why you turn out such good coaches. Yeah, so, yeah, so you have to put them through the process to make mistakes and to learn. And like, I, I used to, we do a recap when then the night whoever's closing takes the interns, brings them in, mm-hmm. and we're like, okay, what were the things that went well? What were the things that went poorly? What do we have questions about? And I used to keep a little notebook. I remember Garnet told me, and then would always write everything down, like. This is what this is a cue I learned today. This is where I screwed up. This is what I did good. And then we kind of break that stuff down mm-hmm. at night. And then you kind of validate the things they know they did well. You correct the things they did wrong, and then you get better tomorrow. Yeah. And I, you know when someone's learning, like if you're a manager, you expect people to make mistakes. It's okay um, because I don't expect them to be right. Yeah. To begin with, yeah. put them in positions where it's okay to fail, and then move them forward from there. Yeah, we do the same thing with um, um, Ashley Wall right now as one of our newer coaches. She's female and she's phenomenal. And one of the first things that we did were give her, um, we provide training for Columbia Soccer Association. So uh, the Columbia Soccer Association hires us for the eight weeks before their spring season starts to kind of get the athletes ready. 
we have different groups and all that good stuff. And Ashley, that was one of the first she watched first. And then that was one of the first things that, that we yeah. gave her as a group. And she was like, that was wild. Like it was just chaotic for like three hours and she was tired. And so like her throat was like, she's like, Oh my gosh. Like I didn't realize I got to talk this much and things like that. But one of the things that I walked in and observed one day and watched her coach a group. And I was like, okay, we can make her job easier by doing something logistically different in the gym. Mm -hmm. And once I made that change, like her, she was like, okay, now this all may, it was just kind of fun to watch this transition kind of happen in front of you. Uh, once we made that change, she was like, okay, now I understand how this works and how the flow goes. And before the way the gym set up was not putting her in a position to be successful. Mm -hmm. And I noticed that coming in. She's like, how did you know to make all those changes? It's like, because I've done this for a very, very long time. <laughs> She's like, it made my job so much easier. So like, that's where like, it's okay. Like she thought she was like going to get in trouble after the, like the session, like, Oh, like, what are you going to talk to me about? Like, no, I, 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 I learned you know. that I didn't put you on a position. Yeah. Like I learned something really bad. Like I was not, uh, your first two weeks were really hectic because I didn't know what this looked like until I got here. And now yeah. that I see it and she was like, it's okay to make mistakes. Like that's how yeah. you learn. Like exactly. failure is a big thing. And it's funny that you mentioned that because I, I remember my first day on the soccer fields in Atlanta. So I never worked with soccer in Brazil. So I have to be the first time here and learn by myself. So of course I called for some people and did the right search or research on the YouTube videos, checking some sessions. But as soon as I got the fields, I have to create my own way to do it. So I had the skills with CFSC. Okay, how can I put the CFSC inside the soccer fields? I start to realize why not to use the outside line and create the stations on the corner of the fields. Nobody's there. So they know that they go to station one, station two, station three. Yeah. I create the whole sequence. When they're done, boom, go to their team. So they start to realize after a few weeks, oh, we have a flow. Yeah. to go. So nobody teach me this. Of course, I had some skills with CFSC, but on the soccer fields, I had to create by my mistakes, trying, 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 until I find the right way to do it. Okay, this is the right way on my reality to do it. Maybe it's not the right way for your reality, but... That's a really good point. Like, why way for your reality? I exactly. Don't think of people that's so. That one of the lot. things, and I did a presentation at Perform Better. I think it was like 2018, maybe when I talked about it was all about coaching. And the one thing I talked about was like, stop looking over the fence at your neighbor's yard because the way you use a Wilson, did you? Yeah, yeah, Wilson, yeah, Tim yeah, Allen, yeah, yeah, Tim Allen. And, yeah. But like the big thing is, is like so much in fitness, especially now with social media, is I see these people do this. These people do this. This is how you need to do it. These people do this. They're not in your gym every day. They're not coaching your clients. They don't have your equipment. They don't have your limitations. 90% of the decisions you make in training are determined by logistics. logistics. They're determined by the clients you see, the equipment you have, Available. the coaching you have, yeah. the people you have. Yeah. And so if you're always thinking about what someone else does on Instagram or what someone else does on YouTube, you're making decisions based on somebody else's circumstances. Yeah. And so when you're running a program, you always have to go back to what can I coach? What do I have equipment for? And what 
can my clients actually do? Dude. What are the, like, who am I, who's my population? Mm-hmm. And so that's where I think a lot of the stuff on social media where people get stuck arguing with one another or disagreeing. I'm like, well, you have no idea what my reality is, mm-hmm. right? And then when you see the reality, like, oh, that makes a lot uh, of sense, God, right? Now I know why you, it's like uh, you see this all the time, like, oh, that's a garbage program or whatever. Like, I've, and I was like that when yeah. I was younger, you know, like, oh, like I know way better. Like, they could do it better. I could do a better job or whatever. And that's just mm-hmm. being young and 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 naive and arrogant but then you go in and you watch people work and you say oh that's why they have to do that yeah. because they can't do this or this or this or they don't have this or this or this yeah a guy like felix is a down has to pull all his equipment out of a freaking storage container get all the kids lined up get it set up you probably only have so much time so you're like i can't spend 30 minutes setting up when i only well, have an more, hour sometimes right more, yeah right yeah. and so Another how, 30 minutes and 40 or more in the end. How can I put it, it all away? So how can I make this as efficient as possible? Okay. Yeah. Well, I can't use racks. I can't use barbells. I got to use kettlebells. I got to use dumbbells. I got to use balls. I get like, you got to find ways to make it work. Yeah. And so sometimes I think there's people in their own environment where they're like, you don't do X. And they're like, well, I can't. I can't do X. Yeah. Yeah. I don't do X. So there's a lot of ways to skin a cat. Or a lot of roads to roam in fitness. And so you have to find a way that works for the population you're with. I'm training. I get your great YouTube video or Instagram video or whatever is you and that one person. How do I take that and do it to 12, you know, 12 year old kids that have never you know, trained before. Exactly. 12 kids could be easy for me, but when you have three or sometimes four teams, each team, 15, 18, 19 kids, it's a nightmare if you don't create a system. system. There you go. Exactly. So I start to realize, how can I teach this kid? So the first few weeks was just the big group. I was on the center. Everybody around me, and we just do body weight movements, just mm-hmm. moving. And I was checking them. I was screaming them, and they didn't know about it. And then I started to realize, okay, I need to teach them some basic, like we say, our big rocks. Yes. Let's teach them our big rocks. I still on the center. I teach the big rocks body weights. And yep. then create the stations. And I had the chance to say okay i'm alone here how can i do this i was in the computer i create the uh, image of the movement i put the name mm-hmm. and i was teaching them before and i said okay now we're gonna do the same movement example split squat with two dumbbells or goblet squat mm-hmm. uh, goblet split squat and then i put the sign in a wood piece with the paper and the image there and they knew on that station A, this is the split squat, goblet split squat. The next station with the image, a plank, simple plank. And we go all the situation like this. So this sign is still there. It's funny because yesterday, yeah, yesterday I was online training before online training. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I will post, look, (laughs) I assume this podcast be live i will post on my social media coach felix atl follow me there <laughs> coach felix atl i will post the signs with the wood piece and everything on the fields because i start to realize how will be my real situation my environment my logistics i create my own logistics i didn't learn on the video youtube or 
YouTube video, sorry, or some uh, course. I create learning by my necessities by and my by your logistic, environment. my environment. environment. How could you create and have been working so well since then? Yeah. Unbelievable. It's a, it, that's the, the systems-based approach. And now Felix could go teach that system to another coach, and that's how you start to scale. Yeah. Right. Start to escape, yeah. and oh, it's boy. funny because now, yesterday now I was, Felix has time to spend between six and ten doing yeah. something else. Yeah. Yesterday I was cleaning my home because my wife Erica said you have to make sure that you clean your own stuff. So I'm cleaning my own stuff, <laughs> and I found this stuff, this sign that I was oh, using. Great. Yeah. And it was so funny because now we are talking about this. So yeah. Well, hilarious. we're gonna wrap it up soon. So we're gonna go to dinner. Nice. But one tradition that Brandon and I usually keep on the podcast is we do a book recommendation at the end. Of, at the oh, okay. end, and this is kind of on the spot for you because I didn't tell you. But uh, I don't know if either of you have a book recommendation. You could tell what it is, who wrote it, and why you love it, and why it's been helpful for you. You have a book recommendation off the top. I have two. Give them now. I'm going to go fish mine out of the pile that I have okay. here in books. So, I, I start. Wish, yeah, I wish so you, you just yeah. start. Okay. So. Uh, the first, I'm going to give you a training book and I'm, or a physiology kind of exercise book. And then I'm going to give you a business book since we talked a lot about business. And, uh, the first book is called, um, Endure by Alex Hutchison. It is the book that I wish I had read in college because of the way that Hutchison writes this book. It is about, um, the extraordinary ability of the human body to endure certain things. And he goes into everything from, uh, energy systems to, um, environmental factors, um, to hydration, to, um, how your body delivers oxygen to tissue. It is, I wish I had gotten it as a physiology book, it, but mm -hmm. endure by Alex Hutchison. I can't recommend it enough. I've got it on audible. I've, I've got a hardback or uh, an actual book. Um, I, it's my probably my favorite book so far this year. Love great it. science writing. Alex. Yeah, That's great, great, great science writing. Um, and the second book that I haven't finished quite yet is um, I can't tell you the author. You might can tell Kevin because you've read it. Is Attraction. Gary, uh, uh, Gino, Gino. Yeah, it's a weird kind of. It's a weird Wickman. Gino Wickman. Wickman That's right? it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wickman is the guy. Yeah. But uh, traction. I am really, really enjoying this book. Obsessed. If you are someone that is, and I think it, and I haven't gotten far enough into it. But if you, whether you run and manage other people mm -hmm. or whether you work for yourself, there are really good strategies to help you get your business on track. Hence the name traction. System, so, system, system. Yeah. So that's my two endure and traction. So I got this one. This was one from the MBSC book club. You guys can uh, see that here. It's called Most Likely to Succeed. It's by uh, Tony Wagner and Ted Dintersmith. And so it's called Most Likely to Succeed, Preparing Our Kids for the Innovation Era. And it talks about how a lot, how why a lot of schools are failing our children as far as how they challenge them and teach them and how you can help your kids learn better. Um, and it's really, really, really interesting. It was one like I, I actually have a child incoming. Child loading. Yeah, child loading. Um, so it's more interesting to me. I'm actually going to go back through it because it's one of those books when Mike gave it to us in book club, I was kind of like, eh, like, why am I interested in this? This is a few years ago. And it's really, really good. And it talks about like why some kids are successful, why other kids aren't, and why some re countries or regions or 
teaching programs are way more successful than others and mm-hmm. how they set them up to be successful and what makes them more likely to succeed. And they go into the economic piece. They go into the social piece, like why obviously some communities are disadvantaged and why they can't learn as well. And then how you can set people up to be more successful um, in learning. And so they, it's a very, very, very good book. Like I, I enjoyed it very much. I'm actually going to go, it's going to be a reread for me. So how to close the global achievement gap, so to speak. So nice. I would recommend that. Felix, you got a book? I have two books. Uh, I was looking for the author because I don't remember, but the hard things about hard things. The hard things about hard mm. things. When you we'll think about show notes. Yeah. When you think about that your life is miserable, mm-hmm. you have no <laughs> you idea have no how idea. bad this I would enjoy this because I, I, yeah. I love like stuff like that. Like, he he shares some stories that you feel that you are not dealing with a bad situation when you see the situation that he was behind and it's very good. And the other one that I started, but I didn't finish, but I very, I'm very excited is the Elon Musk by Ash Vance. Oh, I listen Elon to Musk biography. Oh, yeah. He's very good. And uh, I have been putting this on my list that I, I need to learn what this guy had yeah, what he's because he's the inspiration right now. Right. Right. Fascinating. Yeah. Fascinating yeah. book. And if you haven't listened to the Steve Jobs biography, Autobi- it's not autobiography, it's uh, Walter Jacobson, classic, mm-hmm. like legendary biographer that did the one on Steve Jobs. Unbelievable as well. They're similar, similar, and then mm-hmm. it tells their whole story and why. Like, talks about their flaws. It talks about yeah. their their positives. It talks about their history. Like, it's very naked. Like, it gives their everything about them. Yeah. So it's not just like a rosy picture, which I like. Mm-hmm. Um, and it yeah. gives their whole their whole life and why they are where they are and the sacrifices they've had to make. Like, like a guy like Elon Musk has been divorced X amount of times. Yeah. There's and probably a reason why, but it's like, obviously what he what he prioritized. Same thing with him. Yeah. But the, the funniest that I see on this book with Elon Musk, he was ours with this obsessed idea to go to Mars. Mm. And he said, okay, I have to go there. How can I go there? So he creates the, the process getting back, starting with PayPal to get money, yeah. and then Tesla to get more oh, money. Right. And yeah, then, like, so he reverse, was... He reverse engineered it. Reverse engineered it, yeah, yes. Yeah. Exactly. It's crazy yeah. how they see fears, few years ahead. Yeah. ahead. Well, boys, this is great. Thank, Thank you. Uh, an hour flies by Unscripted. like this. Yeah, great. yeah, we don't need a script. So um, thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, we recorded this on Friday night. This will be up on Wednesday, just like all of our podcasts. And uh, hope you enjoy it. So thanks for tuning in. And all of those books and links to these guys' information, everything will be in the show notes. So scroll down, check that out. So uh, thanks for listening and have a great, have a great week.